0: You're listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. This episode features audio from a previously aired live video webcast. We are live um welcome everybody to episode five of sass Sass. uh today tonight we are going to be discussing ruin and rising the third and final book in the grisha trilogy by lee bordugo um so we're gonna start tonight's episode a little bit differently uh i'm tara i'm here with my hosts nick nami and jonathan and we're gonna start this episode by doing a little fun summary of the book um we're all, we've split it up so that we're all going to read a portion of it, but thank you, Nick, for, for putting this together. This is a really cool idea. Um, I, I, Honestly, I wish I I had come up with something fun like this um, <laughs> prior to this, but I'm I'm excited to do this tonight and to like continue it doing forward because or going forward because I think that it's going to be a really different and interesting way to start uh, the webcast podcast whatever. So uh, let's get to it, y'all. We are on the third and final book of the Shadow and Bone trilogy, Bruin and Rising. This is a story all about how a young. This is a story all about how. <laughs> a young woman has to rise up and ruin a dark lord. Uh, I don't know if that's what you meant, Nick. When <laughs> I, I almost wrapped the whole thing, but I was like, no, I can't get this rhythm right right now. Um, see what I did there, Eddie? See what Nick did there, anyway? Anyway, we pick up where Storm and Siege left off, and it is not a good look for our hero. Uh, including the hair, y'all. Um, she's Alina. She's super weak. Uh, she has a lot riding on her, but luckily, the apparat and the other religious zealots that worship her as a saint are protecting her. I mean, they're kind of creepy, but at least she's safe safe uh meanwhile the nasty and probably at least a little pedophilic darkling is amassing his power and spreading shadows everywhere so alina realizes that she has to do what any young woman who has a whole society relying on them to save the world must do she has to find the firebird and harness its power
1: luckily one of alina's love interests mal is the best tracker in the whole damn world and he's down to find shit for our girl they decide that while their friends try to find the firebird, Mao will try to find Nikolai, who is dreamy and also a prince. And also they think maybe he can manipulate the air. Anyway, surely together, Alina and Nikolai can take down the mean and nasty and not that hot Darkling. They find Nikolai and he's like, fuck yes, I'll help you. Also, marry me. But the Darkling's army shows up to ruin things as usual and everyone almost dies. But they don't. Nikolai promises to help and they all go to Bagra so she can help Alina get her powers back. Alina essentially has a training montage and then decides it's time to fight the Darkling. Nikolai thinks this is the perfect time to bring up marriage again. Alina intellectually thinks it's a good idea, but to be honest, she just doesn't like him like that, which is nuts, because Nikolai can get it.
2: It doesn't really matter, though, because the Darkling attacks again, kidnaps Alina, turns Nikolai into a shadow creature, and kills Bagra, his fracking mom. Not cool, Darkling. Alina cracks the Darkling up. It's not enough to kill him, but she does manage to escape. And she, Mal, and their remaining allies leave on Nikolai's airship. And uh, I cannot go down for some reason. <laughs> all right, That's okay.
0: We, can, we now, can all pick more up. than ever, oh,
2: Alina got, got needs it. the Firebird. She blames herself for what happened to Nikolai and Bagra, even though it's obviously not her fault at all. It's that Dick Darkling. Everyone else <laughs> tries to tell her this, but she likes to blame herself. Relatable, I guess. Luckily, Mal thinks he's found the Firebird. They track it down, and it's pissy. They fight, and in the chaos, Alina realizes it's not the Firebird she needs to kill, it's Mal.
3: What? (laughs) That's great. But naturally, the Darkling attacks again, because he's a basic bitch, and that's all he knows how to do. Alina wishes he would just quit, but he's all, can't stop, won't stop. He also tries to convince Alina that she should be with him again, and we're all like, ew, no, you're so old. Luckily, Alina isn't down for it either and refuses. She escapes and Mal is all, if you don't kill me, I'll kill me. Because you have to fuck this dude up. Realizing she has no choice, Alina kills Mad Mal and it's like so sad. Like so sad. But it makes her ridiculously powerful. She fucks up the Darkling's forces and even though it's draining her power to fight the Darkling, she uses the last of it to kill that asshole. But no, Mal is still dead. Luckily, this is a YA book. So Mal comes back to life. The shadows go away. Nikolai returns to his handsome, charming self. And everyone lives happily ever after. Also, a bunch of random people are sun summoners now. And, (laughs) yeah, happily ever after. Or do they? Dun, dun, dun!
2: that was so
0: that was good I loved it um
3: (laughs) really honored I got to do the dun 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 part (laughs) so okay so uh
0: the first thing I wanted to touch on was now that we have all finished the series some of us for the first time uh what genre do we actually think this belongs in um I mean obviously it's kind of categorized as YA but um you know it, it, it is it just YA, or is it high fantasy? Is it dark fantasy? Uh, or Lee Bardugo noted that her personal favorite uh, term for it is Czar Punk, um, because as we discussed, uh, gosh, I might have been episode too. I, I think it was when we were still talking about Shadow and Bone. Um, you know, it's, it's inspired by Tsarist Russia. I, I do like Leigh Bardugo's note um, that it has like sabers, muskets, and samovars instead of broadswords, crossbows, and tankards. I, I like the samovars versus tankards reference particularly. But so yeah, like what do you guys think um, in terms of how it would, is it just YA or is there more to it than that?
3: I think it's definitely like fantasy YA, and I think there's like a definite subgenre for YA fantasy stories that have unique magic systems. It's not just the basic witches and wizards, oh my. Which, damn it, I need a third one to make it work. Witches and wizards and halflings, oh my. There we go. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I think I like the idea of Zarpunk, but for it truly to be like a classification in my head, I'm like, but where are the other ones?
0: Yeah. Well, and also I think that anything with the – when I think of anything with the term punk attached to it, I think, like, steampunk. And I just don't think yeah. that there is enough of, like, sort of that odd technology in this that I mean, would classify it, it.
3: So I think that if Nikolai and his inventions had been around from the first book, you could have okay, yeah, it. And you do see that more with the technology that they show and talk about in Six of Crows because – you know, obviously we haven't started it yet, but only one of the main characters is Grisha. So you see a lot of like the technology aspect of things there, which I think is cool. I think, you know, the punk part for me, I would get confused when I hear something punk because either I default to steampunk or like actual punk and I'm like, what? What?
0: <laughs> but yeah, no, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. When we when we do meet Nikolai in book two, we do start seeing a little more of that. I, I mean, some of it's technology, and some of it's the combination of technology with Grisha power, which I guess is kind of a good. But then I'm still so. So if it, I don't know if I would classify it as Czar punk. I feel like there should be a different word in front of you punk, and be- I might have to. I might have to think on that for I a think bit. There
3: needs to be a classification for fantasy worlds that build on the actual fantasy magic and and like the fantasy elements of it while also building on the technology elements of it because you see a lot of books do that well but usually depending on whatever holds more weight in it that's where it gets its classification so for example books that rely more on magic or like esoteric things get the you know, fantasy genre and the books that rely more on technology get like a sci-fi genre and then books that are out in space get like, you know, like, uh, what is it? Oh, my God. Space opera. Yeah. So, like, we literally need something like space opera, but like specifically for fantasies with technology.
0: (laughs) So, I don't know. Yeah, guys, are there anybody else? Like, do you guys have any thoughts on?
2: I don't consider young adult a genre, really. I think it's a style of writing, more than a genre, because young adult can be any genre. A novel can be any genre. I mean, you know. So I, I would separate the two. Um, I mean, to me, this is fantasy. I, I don't know if it's high fantasy. I don't. I didn't find it terribly dark. Um, I've read some darker stuff than this. Uh, you know, whether it's high fantasy, low fantasy, I, I sort of would put it in inter, intermediate fantasy <laughs> because high, high fantasy to me is where everything, magic is everything. And yes, that yeah, every I agree. single problem. And that wasn't exactly true in this, but it solved a lot of problems. So.
0: No, I mean, I, I, yeah, no, I completely agree. I would not classify this right. as high fantasy. Um, right. To me, actually, high fantasy, um, it feels like a bit bigger and deeper and and more than than this world is. And I think, I think that, I think that Lee Bardugo has the uh, ability to create a full world that, in the end, could be possibly, possibly referred to as high fantasy. But I just, I, I. I think she has that ability, but I just don't think that this is the, I don't think this is the world or the series to, to really, and that's fine. Like, that's fine. Like I read plenty of high fantasy to be honest, to be honest, high fantasy gets exhausting. Like uh, the new Brandon Sanderson book is coming out and I like had totally forgotten to pre-order it because I was so exhausted with reading like the first three books in the way of King series that I was just like, Shit, there's a new book coming. Like all my friends are posting about it. I'm like, oh, I guess I better read that. Like not because, not yeah. that I don't want to, not that I don't respect Brandon Sanderson and like the world that he created, but it is a lot. Mm-hmm. It is a lot.
3: Probably fantasy for me always is like like I feel like one of the hallmarks of it is not only a fantasy world and a fantasy setting, but fantasy races as well. So like, you know, hobbits and elves, and like, you don't necessarily need halflings. You don't necessarily need elves or need orcs, but having some sort of different fantasy races is sort of always a part of it in my mind. And like, you know, whether they're humanoid or like literal cat people, like, you know, you do who, but. And to me, what Tara, what you said about it being a bit more of a difficult read. Like high fantasy always struck me as like, you know, the Tolkien kind of slog. You know, like <laughs> I I love Lord of the Rings. I've read all the books. I've read the Silmarillion. I've read the Silmarillion multiple times. I'm coming from a very biased wow. point of view. And that point of view is I love it, but fuck, man, that's a hard read. Like you got to you have to yeah. be in a mood for it. Well, the and Silmarillion's
2: I- a hard read, but the other Lord of the Rings books and The Hobbit are relatively short, especially by today's standards of
3: Well, they're books. short, yes, but Tolkien has a way of writing that just makes you want to rip your hair out sometimes.
2: It's very heavy, yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean I I enjoy Gen- good word. I, I enjoy
0: uh Lord of the Rings and everything, but yeah, it's 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 not an easily rereadable series if you know. Yes,
3: that. That's what I think of with high fantasy. That's what I think of with high fantasy. So I feel like most books that are YA sort of cannot be high fantasy for that very reason because YA is written like with a very specific audience in mind. And while YA can have like many genres within it, obviously you're not gonna find like, you know, Shakespearean plays or, you know, Tolkien in there because um that's not what YA readers really want. And- can't blame them. I had weird tastes as a young adult. So, damn, a young adult. Oh, God, I think I'm an actual adult now. This is distressing. Um, but yeah, I. <laughs> little, little, little personal crisis aside. But yeah, ooh, I would love to read a Leigh Bardugo high fantasy book, though. That sounds like. Ooh.
0: I mean, it. she definitely goes. She definitely goes more adult with her second series, so you know that she can do it for sure. Awesome. You know, yeah, her writing so.
3: so much, like not just as like a general writer and like an aware person. hashtag new love growth here, but also just like the age that she's writing for. Yeah. Grades, oh like yeah. <laughs> because you know she knows that like her original fans, the Grishaverse people, are older than they were in. Uh, 2012 and like so she's very i think she was very aware of that when she was writing it because even you know reading king of scars now and i actually stopped like about a third of the way through my read of it because i was like i'm just gonna save it for this but and also because my life is a mess and i don't have time right now but (laughs) but so um Like, reading King of Scars, like, once again, her writing style has, you know, gotten a little bit older. Like, her target audience there is a little bit older. Like, it still is YA, but it's, like, very much like, ah, yes, use your maturity, children. I believe in you.
2: Didn't I just read that she was coming up with her first non, or first book for adults called Ninth House, I think?
3: That's already out. Yeah,
0: that's been out. I haven't yeah. read it yet or have any idea what it's about, but.
2: Yeah, my Freaking understanding, that's not a young adult at all. So she's it's definitely like, expanding her, her, her own writing style.
3: I believe okay, it's her. thriller, horror type.
2: It's a dark fantasy.
3: Oh, okay. Okay.
0: That,
2: that takes place at Yale.
0: At Yale? so But it's a fantasy it's still. So. so fantasy. Huh. Interesting. I'll have to, we'll, we'll have to check that out and possibly yeah. make ourselves depending on, depending on like when the show ever comes out, we might have time <laughs> that we need to fill. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. So any other thoughts on, uh on, on like the, the type of book that this is before we move on to, you know, other things that we wanted to talk about? I just want to make sure everybody got their opinions in. Um, So we had a lot of, like, discussion points and everything. Uh, One of the things I, I... That was one of the things I definitely wanted to talk about, and I think some some of the some of the things like like Alina losing her powers entirely at the end, Mal being the third empire, etc. cetera. Et cetera. Th- those are very basic, you know, things. But what I do really like is the the, the um, Alina bending light and the fact that uh, Lee Bardugo specifically said like it's actually one of the most sound pieces of science. In uh, the trilogy, um, that you can Google invisibility cloak technology, and uh, which is funny because that just makes me think of like Harry Potter. But, um, mm-hmm. um, but so I, I mean, I, to be honest, I am not a science person or a math person. <laughs> funny because I work in the medical field in real IRL in real life. Um, but uh, I mean, it's it's it's. Uh, I don't know. Like, what do you what do you guys think about that? Do you uh, do you actually think that uh, that this is the the most scientifically sa- or one yeah scientifically sound pieces in the trilogy? Well,
2: there were three. I mean, that stood out to me. This was one of them. The other was actually earlier, also regarding um, manipulation of light, which was using the mirrors to basically f- focus and sort of poor man's laser uh, weapon that the mirrors were destroyed so they didn't really get a chance to use them very well, but that was there too. And then, of course, you had blimps um, or dirigibles. I'm not sure mm-hmm. what they were, actually. They, they never got clear on whether it was a blimp or a dirigible, but so you had that that aspect of technology. So there were a few, um, and then they were using the squalors to, to move the blimps as opposed to just using a engine with a propeller, but you know, so there was there was some technology there.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean there's there's I mean there's also guns. Like we do know that they have well, yeah, guns. Yeah. So um but I, I, I think she was saying more along the lines of like you read Modern this and technology. you don't yeah, you read this and you don't really think that uh this is something that is possible necessarily, but it actually kind of is.
3: Yeah. I think another thing that stood out to me was um, the the squalors manipulating like sound. Yeah. Kind of like making that sound cloak, And I was like, not very good at physics, but in theory, I understand how it could work. Cause if you're talking manipulation on the levels of atoms and Mm You're moving atoms for, far enough away from each other that they cannot vibrate. And again, I'm not a physicist. I have yeah. I mean, my. Well, I mean, I don't knowledge. know if
0: you guys looked up the actual idea of invisibility cloak technology, which is I think that's a weird way to put it because again, it just sounds very Harry Potter to me. But like, what it has to do with is that a specific wave pattern, um, like a specific light wave pattern, like can, can essentially cloak something like not hide it entirely, not make it completely invisible, but make it.
3: Camouflage.
0: Less easy. Yeah. Camouflage, less easy to see. Like your eyes would pass, like it's there. And if you really looked, you'd see it like a dude in camouflage in the forest, but your eyes generally pass over it because they don't think to focus on something that looks super similar to the things surrounding it. and I, I, I mean, there's obviously solid bits of actual technology in these books
3: for sure,
0: but you know,
3: I kind of liked the. Um. Oh my God, I just that thought just flew out of my brain. <laughs> <I really laughs> Watch that occur in real time. Um. But I really liked like the um idea that like you can kind of um that like you could that like comes up with Kenya that the darkling darkling is like I could have had her train as a corporal key as a fabric or as a fabricator, but instead I had her train as a tailor and like sort of combining the disciplines and like like all sorts of that. Once again, this boils down to me loving the magic system and being like, give me more solid, concrete detail on how this all works. <laughs> because clearly Lee like pays attention to science and certain aspects of it. And like has this idea of how the system works in a way that she can incorporate cool things like that camouflage cloak technology stuff into it. And I'm like, I just, I want more of that. Give me more detail. I also just, as a biologist, I enjoy like, you don't really see it as much here, but like info about um, corporeal key and how their abilities work. I just generally find that cool because I'm like, yes, science. Um, they go into that a bit more detail in Six of Crows because one of the main characters is a corporal key, and she talks about like how she corporal keys things. <laughs> how she corporal keys things.
1: How she corporals things.
0: Corporals things. That just sounds very like mili- militaristic.
1: I they- really hope that. Lee Bigo- listens to our podcast at some point and is just like, what is wrong with these people? Oh
3: no. Oh no. But I am they clearly grounded. know nothing I about Lee <laughs> Um. All
0: right. So, so, and, and, and again, like I, we do get more, like, like Nami has mentioned a couple of times. We do get more of, honestly, we get, we get more of the, idea of Grecia science, particularly the corporal key stuff, uh, in this, in the Six of Crows duology. And we get more of Nikolai's type of, uh, technology in the, in his book, uh, in, um, King of Scars and hopefully even more in the one that's coming out in March. But all of that said, um, like everything that, and actually, that kind of rolls into because I just mentioned Nikolai. Uh, everything that happened with him, like what what the Darkling does to him, he literally sends his like dark beings, like like to, to possess him, essentially. Um, and and but the fact that he, and I don't know, you know, we we don't know for a fact that this is the first time the Darkling has done this. I, I would guess that he has practiced it. Or done like some, he's done something with it because he knew he could make it, he he knew he could make something happen. I don't think this was the first time he tried this. But, um, you know, we, not knowing what his, you know, original experiments entailed or or how they turned out, um, it was very interesting that, like, know the darkling thinks that he's just he owns Nikolai now and 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 yet Nikolai fights against it to the point where he follows you know Alina and the rest of them. He he has his, you know, he has that 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 need or desire to feed, but he fights against it so that he doesn't harm her or or anybody in that group, um, despite the fact that he's like tra- like tracking them or <laughs> tracking them <laughs> around. Um only Mal is supposed to be able to do that Nikolai. Jeez.
3: Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he's a weird shadow monster now, Terra. He gets shadow monster powers. But you know, but then in
0: the end, like the the Dark link dies and it's like it kind of, you know, he's obviously very scarred from the experience, but uh, you know, he he, whatever was in him, kind of retreats, and and he is still, he he was always still Nikolai. Like that's what Alina kept really like. Every time she saw him, she really kept like, you know, seeing that that he's still Nikolai. Um, and and you know, in the end, it's like yes, he is Nikolai, really, but again, but now he's sort of also. There's something there's something else there, um, but I just, honestly, like, poor Nikolai, he did not deserve, you know, like.
1: He did not. He was, he was the best. He was the best boy, and he did not deserve that.
0: Seriously. I mean, I don't, I, like, I don't even know if there's anything to, like, discuss there other than the fact that, like, how proud maybe we are of him, that he fought against it so much because that's how strong of a personality
3: he is. I think you brought up like a really disturbing point though that I hadn't really like dwelled upon. And full disclosure, guys, I didn't actually, I wasn't actually able to do a reread this time, but I also only read the book a year ago. So like it is fresh in my brain, but I have a new job and I am surrounded by COVID cases now and my life is a disaster. So needless to say, I did not reread it this week because <laughs> did not have the bandwidth. But I think... The point of the Darkling clearly practice this just brings up such a disturbing, like idea that in retrospect, oh my god, obviously he was definitely like practicing these abilities on people and like you know like probably torturing some of his followers just to like think of better ways to hurt his enemies and oh and like you know once again it's like yeah probably definitely definitely expected that but I'm also like oh
0: you hate him to be honest it's not something I thought about the first time I read these but like yeah like reading it again this time like this is obviously not the first time he has done something like this I mean he he knew it would work he knew what not maybe he knew what would happen generally at least like that's really like, like, I, I, I mean, cause also like he, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing like you throw people to the, um, to the Volcra uh, and you know, they're going to eat them. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and the, um, Nish, Nishkavoya gosh, I'm never going to be able to pronounce that. Uh, you, you like, you know, that they're, they're you know, that they're either going to kill them or like even if they just get like a cut in or like like they did with Genya in her face, like they did with Alina, like, you know that they're going to affect them. Um, but like, yeah, it, it it's the idea that that he very likely experimented with this, like and and he knew that generally like what was going to happen like and you don't know who he was doing this to like it could have been his followers but it also could have just been like prisoners of war but that doesn't make it any different that is like Mm -hmm. a special kind of torture because you're changing like the very like uh you're changing everything about who a person is really and like the thing is like i think what we saw with nicolay um you know we saw him still being himself at times in a way because that is the type of personality he has but what about the people that maybe weren't that strong um and 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 they they can like they still know who they are but they can't fight against it you know like i feel like there had to have been people like that that i mean i guess we will never know you know it's not written in these books and everything or anything but like that's what's scary, like that there that there are possibly people out there who went through similar thing or were they might be dead now, but who went through a similar thing and they they still deep down know who they are, but they don't have the ability to fight against it, so they just
3: hate themselves, like
0: and what they do and what they have because what they have to do, what they're driven to do, like all the time.
3: Yeah, it's also yeah. Like, like it made it me really, really think about like. About, like just now, in the last like thirty seconds, about you know how the darkling was probably organizing and like training the corporal key, and like you know Alina like says in passing, like oh yeah, that's the corporal key's room. You don't want to go in there. Ew. You sometimes hear creepy noises, and I was like, haha ha, medical jokes. But now I'm like, oh god, medical jokes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh um so yeah, I mean any do you guys have any thoughts on like Nikolai being I mean what 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 would you even call this? It's not a Volker. it's not a Nish Kivoya, whatever
3: a shadow nope called. monster? A shadow what? A shadow nope monster.
0: Mm. So yeah, I any mean, any thoughts on Nikolai being one of those? Or Nick, you're muted.
2: I mean, I just thought of the shadow demons from Justice League.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: The par- I'm sorry, the demons from shadow- Justice League.
0: I've never been a big Justice League person. I just
3: want to give Nikolai a hug. Then I'll marry Don't him instead of Alina. Cause... I know. She doesn't want that emerald. I'll take it. <laughs> Yeah, I like I, w-
0: I would make a fabulous queen. Okay.
3: Also, like, <laughs> like full disclosure, like a plus on her for like not taking the power play. Like you know what? All this time she's sitting there, and she's like, "I'm getting power hungry." But like, consider, girl, the the time that like power was literally offered to you on a platter with a handsome man, you were like, "Nah." So maybe you weren't power hungry. Maybe you were just slightly going insane with the fact that you had to murder a dude. Tough call. <laughs> I mean, no, the darkling sucks. Eleven out of ten would murder.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> I'm not condoning murder. Let's be
1: honest. <laughs> Mary fuck kill would be real easy in this one.
0: Yeah.
3: Oh, easy. oh yeah, yeah. Um, Mary Nikolai fuck Mal, kill the darkling, and then yeah. kill the darkling, yeah, darkling again, and then kill the darkling again.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
3: Um, all right. So, uh,
0: you know, the, 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 the last like you discussion points that I had were, they're pretty, you know, it's all kind of lumped in. Like Alina loses her powers entirely at the end. Mal. Well, actually it starts with Mal being the third amplifier, which to me, I was kind of like, mm, I don't, I still don't really know how I feel about that, but like, okay, whatever. Um, and then, and then Alina, you know, Loses
2: her powers, and you may want to repeat that, Tara. You froze. Oh, I'm
0: sorry. Um, so, so I'm still not really sure how I feel about uh, about Mal being the third amplifier. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it was definitely something that. Well, I know it was something Lee Bardugo was playing the whole time because I've read an interview with her where she was saying like she you know, she, she makes all these points. I mean, and Alina, Alina feeds them back to us, you know, the first time they kissed the first or, or when they hadn't seen each other in a bit when the, he was, when they were on the boat, I, I can't remember exactly what they were, but it was like every time, every time like the stag appears and, and well, she saves Mal and then the stag appears and then the, uh, uh, sea whip appears. And, and then like the firebird appears, it's all connected to Mal and her and their interactions. But i and maybe it's just that I'm not i I still don't really I'm still kind of whatever about like that being the connection and to mal being like the third amplifier. i and and I this is I mean, God, this is pre new Star Wars trilogy, and we're not gonna get super into that because I know Jonathan for one does not love it. but like, um, like like the idea that this super powerful person came from absolutely nothing. And it was actually Mal, who's not a Grisha at all, who's like the descendant of uh, of, of you know the the darkling. yeah, Moritzova. Thank you. Um, so so, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like, I didn't. Did we? Did, did we worry we all immediately? Like, oh yeah, like yeah, I get it. Mal's the amplifier because okay. like both both times. Like the first time I read it, I was like. Mm, come on, and I was really expecting that this time it would be different, but no, I still felt the
3: same way. I still felt kind of like I think my reaction wasn't so much come on. It was more like I wish the logic behind the idea that the Firebird and any of these amplifiers could be reincarnated was given before, because that's what I had trouble with. Because the way it made it sound, like the Sea Whip was an immortal creature, the Morzo the stag, that stag was like an immortal creature, and then it's like. I'm a boy who was just born. I'm a I'm Love a baby boy, and I was like, okay, like I get that. Yeah, <laughs> like I literally like I get that. This is what was always planned, and like story wise, I think it makes a lot of poetic sense. And it's like it made the ending, you know, hit a lot harder because you know, to like her whole thing is that she wants her power because it's a part of her and mal is kind of scared of her power and it's like you were still you without your power so i find it very poetic that the ending was she gives up her power because the pain of having it after sacrificing mal for it makes it like it doesn't matter to her because she realizes what matters to her is like her connection to him in a sense and like you know all of that like poetic stuff happening there i liked that and i liked all of it but like the buildup to it i was like mouth the amplifier huh this doesn't really make sense because i just i just wish there was something in there in the lore like in lee's lore about the amplifiers that the amplifier is something that can be passed down to through morizoba blood and made that more explicit because once again we do have the hints that morizovas are amplifiers because you know obviously the darkling and um Bagra are both amplifiers, but it's never also once again brought back that Mal is an amplifier because he's a Morozova, but then he's even more one of these big amplifiers. And like the only reason I was able to sort of accept it was because it's like, oh, he's of this bloodline. And even though he's not Grisha, all these people are amplifiers that we know of. So that kind of made sense. But on like the basis, I was like, it's a legendary amplifier. Why? why is it reincarnated? It was never reincarnated before. Is this a thing that just happens? Are there multiple reincarnations of sea whips that just, like, you know, whipped around on the ocean? Is the sea whip actually a teenage sea whip? Like, like, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> It's a babby sea whip. Jonathan, sorry, you were, you were going to say
2: something. Well, I was I was just thinking more, Zova's well amplifier, all the family members seem to have some amplification abilities themselves. So that part made sense. I think what Makes less sense to me is then why were the animals amplifiers?
0: Well, I mean, the animal. I I mean, the animals are going to amplify anybody, right? Like, like they are. They are kind of, they're magical, strong animals. What What confuses, like, I get why they are amplifiers. What confuses me is that, like, like Nami is saying, like. So apparently these animals—I don't know if I want to—I say, I don't think it's like a reincarnation or or a resurrection or anything. I think it's just you're supposed to believe that this is the only one, but clearly they're not. And I guess, I guess, with we we see it less with the sea whip because it's a lonely creature, but with the stag, it's—I I feel like it's with other deer. So like, and 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 now now I'm because that was that was you know so many books ago as, as if I had didn't read this just like a month ago or less but like I don't remember but I feel like I don't remember for sure so I could be wrong but I feel like the other deer it was with were also white so I feel like it was probably like yes this is this is a magical like pack of deer herd of deer herd of deer it's a magical herd of deer <laughs> Jesus, it's a magical herd of deer. <laughs> um, so so I get that they would, you know, I, I I guess looking back, I get that they would be they would breed and they there would obviously eventually be. It's like Bambi, you know. Eventually, there's another king stag that's all white in this case. Um, so with this with the sea whip, it's a little more like because the sea whip is clearly alone, but like maybe that's some sort of it's like the you know, it's like the frogs that like change sexes to just like keep making more frogs. You know what I mean? Like there, there, there's, there's, but yeah, I, I, I think that the, it's, it could be better. There's no, there's no reason it needed to be explained in the first two books, but I feel like there was a good bit of that left out here. And it's like, sure, sure, sure. Miles of more of his line. So of course he is an amplifier because uh, that is what the Darkling is, along like the Darkling is an amplifier, along with his power of being able to control darkness and shadows and and the same, um, you know. So so it's it's not shocking that Mal being of that line is an amplifier. I guess part of it is is like, really though, like he has no Grisha powers like at all. Like they they I I think they try to like make us assume that the tracking thing is sort of like a Grisha thing, but it's not i i it because it, it, it's very much I, I don't know it's very there's yeah, a lot of actually, loose ends there actually. i think
3: so so my whole interpretation of the the tracking is sort of a grisha thing is low key something in between fabricator and corporal key but like on a different level like sort of like the connection with nature and like the connection with like inanimate things in nature and being able to find and notice and like connect with the things that aren't quite there so I think Mm -hmm. it could be like could you get into like some really hand wavy details of how Grisha orders overlap and stuff later into the series and things like that and just it sort of seems like another one of those things that like it's possible that a lot more Grisha have powers that don't particularly fit into these three orders but since that's just how it's always been that's how they're always trained. And when you specifically take somebody to school, send somebody to school and have them learn in a certain way, they conform to that certain way, whether that's what they instinctively could do or not. Right. But
2: didn't he not test positive for for hours during the test? That's the other. Neither did she, but that's.
3: Like she specifically pushed it down. We don't know. Maybe Mal was just sitting there was also just like, you know, shitting himself with the idea of leaving Alina. (laughs) He also pushed it down. Who knows? Yeah. Who that, I don't know, man. I I don't know. Magical tracker. Grisha. Ah yes. The fourth Grisha order. Track coral key.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: oh dear. Oh lord, now we're just making things up entirely. I love it. <laughs> Lee, Lee, <laughs> tell us about the
3: track. Well, coral if Key order.
0: Yeah, if it's if it's eth- ethereal key, a material key, and corporal key track Tracker Alki. I feel like we just need to add Alki to the end, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's that's how, how that works. Yeah. You just add Alki to the end. It's like Ology.
0: <laughs> or ism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so so uh how do we feel about Olina? Or, or well, I don't even know what comes first. Like, uh I guess I guess let's go with Mal's death. Slash resurrection, um, like which was it was it was a resurrection, right? Like it wasn't just Tolia and Tamar saving his life. He was actually somehow resurrected by them. By you know, I, I that part has always been very confusing to me because like I get that he was dead and then he was alive, but I think it's very vague about how he got from point A to point B.
2: He was mostly dead.
3: <laughs> there you go. The way I interpreted it was kill the firebird in the man, but not the man. See, kill the man and the firebird. But then he goes to King's Cross Station and talks to Dumbledore. And he's like, look at the horcrux of the firebird inside you. But are you ready to come back, buddy? So he comes back. Well, but I I really like like Jonathan's
0: uh, input that he was – because we've – in our episode about Siege (laughs) and Storm – we discussed the idea of Mal being Wesley, correct? Yep. So he was just mostly dead. <laughs> so that's so it. To
1: the episode on Fusion's story. If you have on yeah. right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, please do. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no. I I I I mean I I get that that I, I know that like, you know, obviously Tolia and Tamar were like trying to like bring him back to life or whatever. Um, but as we know, that's not. Really, a thing um, that you can bring somebody that has been I don't know, like stabbed in the heart or whatever. Like, uh, so, so yeah. It, 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 to me, it feels very uh, plot devicey. I don't know. He there's got a-
3: better, huh? He got better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loki, I just felt it was at that point, like we, like. Quietly phoning it in
1: and being like, "I'm sorry, Alina. You can have one nice thing." Well, yeah,
3: I I
0: mean, I, I I do, I do, I do agree. Like, I think it was really like there that she was killing that she was killing the firebird inside of him. She was killing that piece of him because, as we know, after the fact, he didn't, he wasn't able to track anymore the way he used to. He didn't have that connection with nature that he had had previously. Um, So I I do think that's what it was meant to be. I just am not sure. I really love how it was handled. I think it was kind of, and again, listen, like I do not want to like rank on Lee Bardugo. Like this series is very well written. I love these books. Um, I love so much about them, but like, you know, you do have to pick we gotta have some sass sometimes, and that's my sass right there. Like, ah, that was like ah, we could have done better than oh, that. Can. Maybe. you can
3: you can love a thing and still criticize it. And there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And honestly, if it is, you know, big media, like you know, published content and not just like, you know, hobbyists creating art don't do this to cosplayers or artists online jack. Whole stack. Mm-hmm. What? What do you, you are right? Um, but exactly. so like, like, it's completely valid to criticize the things that you love because, duh, and you can love the things that you love and still not, and still have things not make sense and be like, this doesn't make sense. Why? And that's no problem. And also, let it be known now that if I ever. Meet Lee Bardugo. I'm just gonna be like, explain the intricacies of the logic behind Malice the Firebird, but like in (laughs) intricate detail that she could have talked to Bagra about if she had the opportunity. Because what are the practicalities of this occurring? Please tell me the details. Hmm.
0: Agreed. Bagra. Yes, Bagra was (laughs) bad. Fucking. Ass in this, like, listen, like, yes. she was always cray cray, like, cool Bagra, but like, my god, she literally is yes. just like, she knows that she, because she also has that power of, 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 you know, controlling darkness and shadows, that like she can, you know, manipulate the things that he has, that her son has created. And she, you know, it's sad. That she sacrifices herself, but do we really expect her to live out the series? Let's be real. Um, like, so it's sad that she sacrifices herself, but like, man, way to go out, Bagra. Like, props. Listen, listen. let's pour. Let's, I'm gonna pour listen. one out for Bagra. Let's no, I'm desk not
3: on my desk right now but maybe later (laughs) if you're gonna go out dramatically it might as well be jumping off a cliff while controlling your the the shadow demons that your son brought into existence in the effort to save the world from the evil of your son like
2: that's how i hope to go out
3: i mean that's a good goal um saving the
2: world from the evil of your son
3: yeah i was gonna say might as just a first goal of not having an evil son (laughs)
2: I
1: mean, sure, that's my first goal. But if I have an evil son, then that's how I'm going to go out.
3: Okay, that's that's a fair backup plan. So,
0: well, like, and in case I, nothing is super personal on this, but like, Bagra goes into like she understands why the she understands the hand that she had in the Darkling becoming what he was. Now mm-hmm. it is not her fault. You know, it is. It is not like it is never entirely one person that creates that sort of evil, obviously, but like she understands what the hand that she had in, in kind of pushing him closer to that edge. And like, I'll be honest, like, like I look at like not, not my immediate family right now, but like, like I've, I've had, uh, I'm not going to say one of my grandparents had a very, very, very bad childhood. Um, and that grandparent unknowingly unwittingly like the things that that they did the way that they raised their children really pressed upon it really kind of pressed down on them you know what i mean like like it didn't make them evil obviously they're not evil but like you like i see the issues that 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 like were between um my parent and their siblings from that and and my parent recognizes it too and and It's it's just you can you can um, I'm trying to think of the way to word this without like speak like actually saying who I'm talking about but like it it is later in life this this grandparent of mine recognized the damage that they had done unwittingly because of how bad their childhood was. I mean, I'm talking raised in seriously abusive foster homes after being given up by their parents because they had too many kids. And I mean, it it was, it was a really, really bad. Um, and and they passed a lot of these like weird things on to their children. And and I just think that like that recognition of the effect that your abuse can have on future generations, mm-hmm. like Bagger Progress saw that and regretted it, you know, and I think that's actually an important lesson to take from this series is to like recognize like that what, what you go through and how you treat, you know, your friends, your lovers, your offspring or whatever can have such a negative effect on them. And you don't even necessarily recognize it at the time. Um, But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I did no, this um, last I did this last time too. I'm babbling again. Like know, you're I, babbling,
3: but like because, okay. I'm, because, I'm try- because I'm trying so hard to not like name people. No, it's okay. It's and I think this also makes me think of like Bag Bagra and the Darkling and like her acknowledging the harm that she did to him that did play a part in him but wasn't, you know, his whole. Is sort of akin to Dumbledore and Tom Riddle, except Dumbledore was like, "I treated this kid like shit because he was creepy and I distrusted him." No regrets. hashtag No regs. He was evil, and I'm like,
1: <laughs> hashtag No regs.
3: And so, like, you know, I hate, I hate to always bring back Harry Potter in in the in the year of our Lord 2013, but Ooh, but God. like, you know, it's part of the reason I find Dumbledore so distasteful as a character is that he does shitty things and never holds ownership for it. And, you know, Tom Riddle was evil, like, unapologetically, he was always going to be Voldemort. But Dumbledore didn't have to treat him like a criminal his whole life. Like, he literally immediately distrusts the boy and immediately, like, puts him under surveillance. And it's... Not great. I mean, granted, Tom Riddle was evil, but it's like, you know, still, like, don't, don't, maybe don't do that to a child. And like, m- more than the actual Tom Riddle bit, I just really dislike Dumbledore because he is terrible to children. Cough. Everything in the series cough. But like, <laughs> adult, acknowledging when they've screwed up in young adult stories. such an important thing that doesn't happen yes yeah because adults are still people and we mess up all the time but in young adult books it's either adults are perfect or it's the series of unfortunate events where adults are they cannot do anything at all ever and it goes to show who I am as a person that I read series of unfortunate events at like when I was very young and I believe that that is the reason that I have, you know, been like, ah yes, season adult fucking up. I understand you are like the book adults. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like there's there's no actual in between, and I like that there was an actual in between here, which was you know the king being a terrible person, the queen being a terrible person in a different way, Bagra messing up, and actually being like, yeah, dude, I messed up. Yeah, yeah. Her 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 recognition of like the
0: the part that she had and how her son turned out was. Like it's sad, but it's it's also like, you know, thank you. Because it it I, I don't know. I think I like you said, I think it's important for kids to read uh you know, obviously obviously like this isn't saying like, oh, don't ever trust adults or think everything they do is bad, but like uh <laughs> please don't have respect for your elders to like a legitimate, like level extent, you know. Depending, mm-hmm. not the ones who mm-hmm. went over to par- not the ones who went over to parlor, but you know all the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I just, I did, I did really like that that Bagra, like because she's so like just and like pissy and cold all the time, but like she admits that she did wrong, and that's that's really important, I think. And in-
3: I also think it brings up like a really important thing about taking ownership for your actions, like you're not excused from doing bad things just because you did it to a bad person like that doesn't it doesn't make you a good person for doing a bad thing just like you know like for the greater good it doesn't make you you can't do evil things for a good cause and claim to be good you can't do good things to an evil person you can't do bad things to a good person to a bad person and claim i'm getting all twisted but the point is that like you know your actions are your own regardless of the morality of the people that they affect and Mm -hmm. you know a part of being like a part of growing as a person and taking ownership for your for the things that you've done well and the things that you've not done well is acknowledging that you could have hurt some shitty people and you know either if possible making amends for it or at least just acknowledging it for yourself because you know, sometimes these shitty people are shitty people that don't d- deserve apologies or that you cannot apologize to because that would be more damaging to you. But I think it's still beneficial to look back and be like, "Yeah, okay, I did. That was still not correct, even though this person was a garbage can." I'm, you know, thinking back on a lot of um, shitty friendships that I had as a young child and a uh, like medium child medium child? <laughs> Tween. Tween. That was the yeah, word. Yeah, there you go. Tween. <laughs> a medium child. <laughs> <But> <laughs> like, looking <laughs> back on a lot of these friendships, like, I did not have a good time with some pretty terrible people being my friends, and usually when things went bad, I would retaliate by just being a dickhead to them because it made me feel better. And you know, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe we try not to do that. But also, you know what? You do you. I'm not. Also, here to well, know what to do.
1: therapy can be really great. And yeah, lots that's lots of people should be in it. If only we had therapists in the world of Shadow and Bone, maybe we wouldn't have had the Darkling.
3: I mean, yeah. have, uh, I, I, Jesse, mean, that, uh, uh,
0: the person in my life that I like. Would put like akin to the darkling went to therapy. The problem with people like that is that they are not honest with their therapists or themselves. Oh, that's
1: that's real as fuck. And also, like, so I had uh, an emotionally abusive father who I managed to get to go to one therapy session, and he told me that the therapist said that he didn't need therapy, uh, which. <laughs> no therapist is going to say that
3: <laughs> that's not bad, that's a bad therapy marketing <laughs> no um,
1: therapist would ever say that no he, he's also a liar <laughs> no
0: no um okay so uh anything else uh and, and we had i had a bunch of quotes that i had um you know Put in here for us to kind of go over. Um, one of the ones it's actually from Siege and Storm, but I withheld it for this week for this book, just because we see a lot more of uh, the the mertzos. um And in, in Siege and Storm, it's it's David who's saying in Rob, or no, it's it's Alina after she's talking to David and she's. Uh, saying in Ravkin, the word for magic and abomination was the same. Basic Grisha, she- Grisha theory stated that the matter couldn't that matter couldn't just be created from nothing, but that was a tenet of the small science. Merzuz was different, a corruption of the making at the heart of the world. Um, and and I feel like that's just such an important overall. Like we don't see it in book one, but we obviously see it in book two when the Darkling has created his. Nishkavoya, and then it continues in book three because he's continuing using them as his army, and um, and also he he uses them to possess slash infect Nikolai. Um, but like I, I don't know. I guess what uh, and I I don't know. Like if if anybody specifically has anything to say on this necessarily, but that line that you know, merzos is a corruption of the making at the heart of the world. Like, in a way, like, Mal comes from that. Mal comes from that. He is part of that corruption. Um, so, I it, it, I don't know, like, it, it's kind of like, is it like a horseshoe, where in the end, it kind of just sort of, like, meets at the top, you know?
3: or Or
0: what? I don't know. What do you guys think?
3: I had totally forgotten mm-hmm. that the amplifi- that the amplifiers are technically Merzos.
0: Well, not all amplifiers, but, but certainly three, like,
3: like the, the Morozova's three amplifiers are Merzost and I had completely forgotten about that bit.
2: So one question I assume the Darkling knew that he was related to Morozova, but I but did his mother ever tell him that was less than clear to me. Sorry, what was the question? Do you assume I assume that Bagra had told her son that she was related to Morzoa but I...
0: no, I don't think I, Ew, what but would I, but she I do
2: but I never but it wasn't clear if that was true or not.
0: No, yeah, I don't I I was gonna say I didn't think she did.
3: Yeah, I thought she didn't specifically.
0: Yeah, because her like she was worried honestly about her his obsession with Mortsova at at, at at yeah, I don't know. I would guess that she didn't. I think I I really think that she kept everything about her past secret including from him. I could be wrong though. I
2: don't remember I don't, anything. Now though. I'm questioning myself. Yeah. I don't uh, think right. I don't think it was made clear in the book. I just it's just one of those puzzles that all
1: right, Lee Bardugo. Yeah, we need you to weigh in on this. Is yeah, I, I
0: think that's I think that's a question we would have to ask her as to whether Bagra actually told him. I, I really thought that she didn't. Um but actually now that I'm thinking about it, shoot, like why like like why wouldn't she? And how wouldn't that have become part of why he was so obsessed yeah. with Fort yeah. yeah. Like <laughs> shoot. Dang. I think
1: that if it's not explicitly stated then it didn't happen.
0: I mean I don't know. Maybe with Lee Bardugo, but not I can't compare her to George R.R. Martin, but like <laughs> in in Song of Ice and Fire, just because something is explicit isn't explicitly stated to It didn't
1: happen. I mean, good point, but I also don't like that form of storytelling. So that's probably my bias, Uh, which isn't to say I don't love Song of Ice and Fire. Obviously, I do. Um, But I will say uh, in Song of Ice and Fire, it's pretty consistent that if a death didn't happen on page, then it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do think that, like, I'm all for trying to dissect and um, even diagnose to an extent what happens between the lines in a book, right? Uh, but I also feel like there's something important about things that are not explicitly stated, and we can hypothesize and we can, you know, think about what that might mean. But, frankly, unless Lee writes it, because uh, I also don't buy into the whole, well, if, if the author says it later, like, Dumbledore is gay, but it's never actually on the page or on the screen, then fuck that. Like, you can't just, like, postscript something in. Yeah. Um, it needs to be there in some Form that is that is real and that can't just be has impact. Sorry, what was that, Nomi? It
3: can't just be a tweet.
1: Yeah, exactly. It can't be a tweet because no, that's not representation. uh, (laughs) Well, and I guess that's actually the point I was trying to make. But (laughs) it gets me so (laughs) angry that that people like her, not Lee J.K. Uh, try to pass representation (laughs) off as, oh, well, I I said in a tweet that that's what it was even though there's no actual representation in any of the media.
0: Well, I guess my my thing is like, did I misread or misremember something? Like, I I feel like we were never supposed to believe that Bagra specifically told the Darkling this, but I mean, I could have missed it.
3: Like, if all four
1: of us didn't read. remember that happening, then it probably didn't happen. Yeah, no, I don't
2: think it happened.
3: I don't think it happened. Um, Or rather, it definitely didn't happen in the first two books, but the way I had sort of read it was that Bagra distrusted him to not tell him many things, and this could have been one of those many things. Yeah. Well- I read it that, and by the time he would have been old enough, to have logically been told this information, I doubt she would have trusted him to tell him this information. He seems like he would have been a problem child. <laughs> you think? Yup. Nope. I'm trying, so he killed ants with magnifying glasses and then tried to kill cats with magnifying glasses. And then when obviously you can't roast a cat with like the light from a magnifying glass, he probably just like punched them until they died. That That's dark. Guys, I'm having a time. That's dark. That
1: went real dark now. (laughs)
3: Um, So let's not,
0: let's go a little less dark. I don't, we don't even need to discuss this necessarily. I just want to like props to David because Genya is like, you know, she, she freaks out on David because she's like, you just like me now because I need to be fixed. And David is like, I don't understand, you know, I don't understand half of what goes on here. Uh, I don't get jokes or sunsets or poetry, but I know metal beauty was your armor, fragile stuff I'll show, but what's inside of you that's steel. It's brave and unbreakable and it doesn't need fixing. And like, I don't know about you all, but like, I wanted to be like Genny, just like, like you're right in the face. I
3: would like to take this moment to actually edit my Mary fuck kill. (laughs)
0: You're
1: going to marry David.
3: Kill the Darkling. Marry David. I would not marry David
0: only because I have married a David before and it didn't <laughs> turn out that well for me. But like, okay. I get it. I would it.
3: marry a David because I feel like we would both sit in a corner and like do our own weird crafty things and not talk to each other for like weeks, and that would be absolutely fucking chill by me. Yeah, I
0: feel like I feel like at the end at the end of the day, Genya would get super in real life. Genya would get super frustrated with David because he would just constantly be like, "I got to work on my things," and she'd be like, "I want to go to a party." you know (laughs) okay
3: Okay. can i okay all right so this is like a very mild spoiler of like one specific line from king of scars but oh man i want to tell you guys it because it is so good and it's not like plot relevant or or anything but oh man it's oh fuck oh (laughs) so good it's just david i feel like
1: Write I it down, like, and then like when we get to Camp Scott, yeah, like... I yeah, feel like hold, hold know, it, hold, hold it, hold
3: it in, hold it in, hold I'm it holding now. it, because yeah. it is literally like my example. Like David is one of the is objectively my favorite character in this story, honestly, because you know as much as I love Nikolai, like that suave, like I got it kind of character exists in a lot of places. And I like Nikolai a lot more than normal because they couple that with probably has ADHD. And I'm like, yeah, good shit. Like, give us this. It was like it was like Han Solo with with ADHD. And I'm like, all right, cool, let's go. And, but you know, I loved David because he was just unapologi- unapologetically like not good at things. And he was just like out here being like, so- socialization is difficult. So I'm just going to continue to do my shit. But also consider, I say the most insightful things at the terrible list of times. I am accidentally funny without knowing what's up. And did you know that the hot girl likes me? Cause the hot girl likes me. <laughs> and I'm just like, I love you, David. Like I identify that with that on like a very, Spiritual level because when I try to be funny, it doesn't go well. But then sometimes when I like zone out and then say random shit, it's like, haha, Nami, you're a comedic genius. And I'm like, <laughs> I think. And I just, I identify with David just being so out of it. And then every now and then he's in it and he's like, listen, guys, insight. Listen, guys.
0: You're being Yeah, every once in a while he's yeah. real every once in a while he has a really good he has a really good input
3: yeah exactly you are how I wish to be at all meetings Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I just no, I love him a lot and I love him and Genya a lot and I just I really love how he's an absolute idiot and he doesn't care about beauty and he cares about her and Mm -hmm. just also I just really love Genya and just Just, I am not ruined, I am ruination. Like, yes, queen! I love her. Stab the king. Um, I also just
1: want to give major credit to Lee Bardugo for some of the, like, like sentences and phrases that she lays down are just, like, chef's kiss, like, Mm -hmm. you just killed it. Like... (laughs) that you could have just had that be on a like motivational poster or something and i would have bought it like i i'm consistently impressed by those little um what's called like bon mots that she drops inside of a really well-constructed story right like it's not just like oh, she has a great story, or, oh, she has these really great lines. It's that she has this really beautiful story, uh, a a really impressive saga, if you will. Uh, And then, like, inside of that, she gives these characters these moments that are really beautiful, and they're not always the main character, like David uh, getting this quote. I feel like it's a really beautiful quote, and and it's given to this person who, uh, at, you know, as we've discussed in previous episodes, like he's not one of the the like ma- amazing people who does amazing things, and he's he may, you know, struggle with certain um, certain issues, but he sees things in a really beautiful way, and getting giving him this quote. I think is really beautiful and important, and I appreciate that Lee does that consistently in her work. Um, it's really impressive.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, and, and <laughs> gosh, I, I mean, I, 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 I say that, and and uh, well, I mean, Tolia. Now he's talking about Mal and Alina, but um, at one point. Uh, He says that Mal watches her the way Harshaw watches fire. Like he'll never get enough of her. Like he's trying to capture what he can before she's gone. And it's like, even though that's about Mal and Alina, it's still a really, I mean, he's, he's, he's a, he's a, you know, secondary character, you know, possibly Mm -hmm. tertiary, but I think probably secondary, Uh, you know? so, So like you said, like, again, like, like she, she, has these like insights that are given by these characters who don't necessarily—they aren't necessarily super important. Um, in ter- they aren't Alina, they aren't Mal, they aren't the Darkling, they aren't even Nikolai, really. But but they all have their own like depth to them, which is you know really good.
3: I like how she kind of m- makes it that uh, anyone can be profound. Yeah, like anybody can sit mm-hmm. down and have these like really broad or poignant or just chef's kiss moments, and you don't you don't have to be like an eloquent person. You don't always have to be like a main person you don't have to be like the focus or anything but you can still have insights that resonate and I think that's really interesting because like you can kind of look through all the books and for all of these characters like even some very minor ones you can still think of like times when they do something or say something that's just like huh wow i don't know i like that like i'd completely forgotten that tolia said that line and the fact that tolia said that line and i'm just like what tolia
0: Yay! well tolia does love to recite epic poetry so
3: tolia is a goddamn nerd yeah you really. and are. also i would like to make the point that just because you can recite epic poetry doesn't mean you can make it <laughs> I don't think he ever tried though. I think that he just. I mean, clearly his fire metaphor is like real, real, real fire. So maybe he should uh, keep going with that. See? That's true. That's true. Fire metaphor is real fire. Amazing.
0: Um, So uh, we're, we're, we don't, uh, we don't have to cover everything, every quote that I, you know, (laughs) copied from this book obviously um one there's 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 at least two more that i want to really focus on one being um from Alina that the Grisha wanted a Grisha queen, Mal wanted a commoner queen, and what does she want? Peace for Ravka, a chance to sleep easy in my bed without fear, an end to the guilt and dread that I woke to every morning. There were old wants too, to be loved for who I was, not what I could do, to lie in a meadow with a boy's arms around me and watch the wind move the clouds, but those dreams belong to a girl, not to the sun summoner, not to a saint. I think that's really interesting because, first of all, she never actually laid in a meadow with a boy's arms around
3: her,
1: like
2: <laughs> um, on uh, on screen. We but she know
1: watched Twilight and she was like, "I need that shit."
2: No, no don't no. I mean, Jonathan's
0: right on screen. Well, but I also I, I think that was more a dream of hers, like for her and Mal to. That was the thing she wanted them even before before any of this happened. You know what I mean? Like I, I know it was never. It could just be that it had happened, but I don't think it did. I mean, okay. I think that we're kind of meant to believe that that be- they were
2: buds, and that was it. Yeah, I can't help that the end of this book seems to, is so reminiscent to me of the Hunger Games.
3: Um, I mean, honestly, not at all to me. It hit completely different. But that's just yeah, different. I In I won't opinion.
2: Not, not to me. I thought it was very, very similar. I mean, she picked the wrong guy. No. <laughs> um she wanted she didn't want power. She did you know, she had chances of power and just wanted to be with the guy in the meadow without any stress in her life. So you were Team Gale, Jonathan? I thought of the two choices.
3: No, I was team none of them, honestly. Well, that... that yeah.
2: of the two choices, that's...
3: But no, PETA's still better. PETA did yeah, his sister.
2: I actually liked Finnick, but he was taken. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I, 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 my, my, yeah, my feelings
0: on, my feelings on, like, <laughs> I, I agree Katniss probably should have... Well, I don't know, no, because that implies that somebody who is broken has to be alone. I the reason right. why I liked that Katniss ended up with Peeta is because they had experienced so many of the same things together. They had both been
2: right in the game.
0: Truly broken and not just in the game, I mean Peeta afterwards too, but like the 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 um the idea of that that the, the problem is Gail was too angry for Katniss. Yeah. She needed somebody who could Calm that rising tide with
3: compassion, and neither did Pratness
0: yeah. And and and, and,
3: level, and and I think and, that,
0: and, and I think like her, her, her commonalities with PETA because of what they went through together, and and also just I don't like I, 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 I don't necessarily, ag- I really don't agree with the fact that they had children that was unnecessary and bad and dumb but like the the, the the idea that they that they ended up together like it's it's it it, to me that was how it needed to be if she was going to end up with anybody because like I mean I'll be honest like when you're when you're a broken person like it's It's better to end up with somebody who, and, and, and I know PETA had gone through a lot of stuff too, but he had somehow come out of it more like solid than she had. Um, Like he was, he was still sure of himself more than she ever, really he was always more sure of himself than she was always more sure of what he wanted than she was. And he uh, uh, mitigates her, you know, he, he keeps her like true to herself and and also like that that at the very end of the hunger games where she's talking you know that the whole idea of like like she wakes up screaming from nightmares and the only reason she's able to hold herself together is because like Peta is there to hold her and and like i just i don't think Gil ever would have been able to do that for her um now i i i I think it's different with Alina and Mal just because this is more of like, this is actually more of a Katniss and Gail situation where they just loved each other from childhood. And honestly, like Mal's kind of a dick for a long time. And like Alina was just hopelessly in love with this dude who paid zero attention to her. And then like after the Mm -hmm. fact, he's like, Oh no, no, actually I thought
3: about you every day. And it's like, did you though? did you? Okay, okay, so I actually take huge issue with that. I think (laughs) it is incredibly likely, or rather, I absolutely believe that Mal thought about her all the time. I do not think it was romantic. I think he just loved her as a friend and missed her a lot and really cared about her. Yeah. And that there's nothing wrong with that. Alina spends a long time pining, and I think the reason Mal acts like such a jackass throughout most of the book is it that's when he actually starts pining. Like you yeah. see mm-hmm. all of Alina's like gross, dirty jealousy at the beginning because she's been pining this whole time. With Mel, you see him from Alina's point of view acting like a jackass because now he's finally jealous. Now he cares about this girl. Now he's finally realized he loves, he loves her and wants to be with her romantically. So now he's acting like a jackass because he realizes that he has reasons to be jealous. And Alina was kind of doing that the whole time, just, you know, quietly pining on her own end. So I think it's like, yeah, Mal was obviously a dick at times, but I think it's unfair to be like, oh, he didn't think of her because like the whole thing there. Oh,
0: no, no, no. I think he thought of her. But yeah, no, I think it was was a completely different.
3: Like, you know, he didn't have feelings for her right away. And, you know, that doesn't make him a bad person. It just makes him not there yet. And I think the fact that he was a dick after was very much a symptom of him realizing he had feelings and then realizing that those feelings were not coming at a good time because now Alina is like very important and very beautiful and has all the attention. And now Alina and Mal essentially switch places in what Alina's eyes were. Cause like Mal was always the one who fit in. Mal was always the one who got the attention. Mal was always the perfect one who got the girls, who made friends, who was loved and... She loved him, but he didn't know. And now to Mal, all he thinks is that, that he's finally experiencing what Alina experienced the whole time, and to the outside world, that just reads as gen- general douchery. Which is unfortunate, but jealousy is not a pretty thing. And I think that's one of the reasons I like Mal a lot, because he he, he messes up a lot, and like he's not good. Like he is the one who like willingly, you know, like who, like basically, like cuts off their relationship and goes makes that and goes and makes out with Zoya, like, like, I'm, like he's not in this, but I don't think he's a bad person, and I will love him forever, and I will defend him forever, and I always think that he is a good partner for Alina because one, like, they have the star-crossed lovers, the boy and the girl, set up from the start, and two, he's what Alina wants. Like, screw what we want. Alina wants me to sit here and say that Nikolai is the better choice for her because like she clearly wants Mal and like yeah Nikolai might be the more enticing prospect and like obviously like all four of us here want to be the queen but like (laughs) like, Alina doesn't and like like, (laughs) I I think that's like like, you can't
0: I want to be the queen
3: (laughs) yeah I think it's unfair to say that she made the wrong choice when she made the right choice for her and like it's not like the fun dramatic high fantasy choice
0: Oh, I was never saying she made the wrong choice. It's so
3: more directed initial choice. comment about <laughs> saying that Katniss made the wrong choice for Peta and that Alina made the wrong choice for Mal. Because I think when you really look at Katniss and Alina as characters, they chose the person that would support them the most and would make more sense for them with what they wanted in life. And I think that's absolutely the right character. It doesn't matter if the other character is cooler. Like, obviously I wanted Katniss to be with Finnick. Like Finnick's hot. Like, heck yeah. Give me Finnick. Like I want Finnick, but Katniss didn't want Finnick, you know? And like, that's like, I think it's saying that Mal, that sorry. Wow. That Alina would be better with Nikolai when she doesn't want to be part of that power. Doesn't want any part of that life anymore. I think it's, intrinsically unfair to alina's character because her whole thing at the end is the reason she literally retires and goes, goes to the orphanage and has a quiet life is because she's fucking done like like she is just very done Let her- although to
0: be fair she does miss her powers
3: she misses her powers yeah and i think that's legit honestly if she didn't miss her powers i would be surprised because it was you know a part of her no matter how much she had been suppressing it for so long she had grown into it and like it had made her learn about herself but i also think that as much as she liked her power she hated the attention she hated the drama and she hated the like like not the magic power that came with it but like the societal power and the political power and like all of that influence she never wanted a part of that she was just you know doing it and like essentially playing the game the, the, the the game of thrones you know because that's what all the people around her were like you need to do this like you're this important person now do this do this do this and she was like well i guess and like literally from the very beginning she's like screw politics i want my friend the outcast to sit with me like you know like she was always framed as that person who like didn't want to deal with the bullshit of societal expectations and just wanted to do her own thing so her retiring to an orphanage to take care of children and to like make the place that she grew up as to be a better and more loving place was just really poetic to me. I Loki, I thought it was the best ending also because like Loki, I would like to like, you know, retire and open an orphanage. And I was like, mm, yes, please. I
0: don't know about an orphanage, but like yeah. a dog rescue farm or something.
3: Yeah, but No, like that, that was basically my thesis on why I love Mal and that I've also been holding that off. And since the very first episode we did, by the way, I, I love Mal a lot. Also my other thing, another reason I will continue to love Mal forever is because Mal is absolutely a thousand percent here for consent, even though he kind of misreads it. So if you'll recall book two, the reason Mal and, um, and Alina basically break up is because she flinches while she while he's kissing her. Granted, yeah. she flinches because she hallucinates the Darkling, which, um, you know, valid reason to flinch, but Mal's like, I was kissing you and you flinched. Like, that's you don't want this, so I'm gonna go. And I think that's such a stark contrast of the way the other romantic men in her life treat her that I was like, fuck yes like yeah he completely misinterpreted everything and fucked things up but he did it because he took her consent so strongly to the point where he was like if you don't want this even the slightest bit and i can hit- see even a sense of doubt in you i'm gonna back off and i was like yes granted you yeah. need to throw a hissy fit after that and then go make out with zoya after like you know beating up people in the middle of a bar tonight but you know that's a that's a separate character flaw but like, so
1: that's that's my reason, problem though. The is... reason I
3: bring that up though is because you know the darkling literally just grabs her and kisses her everywhere and haunts her and like you know basically rapes her and her attempts to rape her in her bed while pretending to be Mal and Nikolai just grabs her and kisses her for a political move and you know all of these things happen so often in YA novels that I am like consent damage and then of course Mal's the idiot who's like consent no and then he runs off and throws a pity fest but better than all the people who just, you know, kissed her without asking constantly.
1: I mean, yes, <laughs> that is preferable in those specific ways. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, no, um, don't even get me started on Mouse fight club problems though. I just, son, you are too young to be an alcoholic. Like, please Can... stop this behavior.
1: Can I just get a, a male character who is not horrible in some way?
2: <laughs> like, I well, I mean, makes there me were so sad Are that like they're one of they're the twin, all, like the male twin wasn't horrible.
1: Okay, let me rephrase. You're you're right. Male love interest. Can I get a male main character slash love interest who is not either? like consistently violating consent or who uh, reacts in the most like masculine ways uh, when something doesn't go their way. Well,
3: Um, you know, I will say, I think, I think having characters who react poorly when shit happens is like, Duh, it would make sense. I do agree with the not acting in such a masculine way because Loki would have been nice if Mal got drunk and formed a book club instead to get his frustration mm-hmm. out. That would have been nice and not, you know, so cis, hetero, male
1: yeah.
3: angled, but I think- or talk
1: to a therapist.
3: You know, <laughs> Nick, Nick, this is a fantasy world. Therapy doesn't exist.
1: I think therapy should true. exist even more so in <laughs> well,
3: fantasy <definitely>. world. If <laughs> I ever write my fantasy book series with that really, you know, complicated, uh, like magic system, they gotta have
2: yeah. therapy. Because Roya was providing right? plenty of
1: therapy.
3: <laughs>
1: I feel like that could be a whole other, ulky kind of thing, <laughs> like yeah. therapy, or whatever you know, like <laughs> let, let's let's that in as a magic system. Oh
3: man. Sorcerers that specify in therapy, sorcery. I like it. Yeah. But yeah, like I think I mean, it would be like a. I feel like it would be like magic, a corporal key
0: combination with like something else.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, technically, yeah. it would be fully corporal key because, you know, hormones. Oh. Give me that goddamn sure. serotonin. Just uh, just uh, plug it and play. Let's go. God, no just therapy, that, just direct serotonin. What are, what are we doing here? I don't know what that voice was. It was my give me serotonin voice. But yeah. That was a good voice though. Thank you. Thank you. um, So. And me screaming into the void was just to be like, I love Mal and Mal haters can come at me because Mal is 17 years old. He's a fucking child. Like cut him more slack because you literally give the evil mass murderer more slack than you give a 17 year old child who's just trying his best and he's jealous now.
0: I mean, I don't hate Mal. I just think he's a little bit boring, but like. Yeah, no, see, um, that's the thing.
3: I also agree. I think Mal's boring. Like, like, a thousand percent agree. I think Mal is boring, but I think this fandom hates Mal on a level that is absurd to me. And I'm like, fucking sit down. Like, well, if your complaint is he's boring, a thousand percent. <laughs> boring. A plus. Like, the boringest boy. But don't hate him. Sit down. Like, what I don't well I mean and honestly what I don't understand
0: about and and I've kind of delved a little bit more into this fandom than I ever did the first time I read these books. I don't get the love for the darkling. And that's actually that leads into the last thing I the last point I wanted to talk about. Uh for, for like for you sure. And for this is darkling?
3: this is dark. Yeah. This is dark. Them,
0: this is dark, but the Darkling says to Alina, I will strip away all that you love, all that you know, all that you love until you have no shelter but me. Like, in real life, people are often abusive because of what I what they've been through in the past. Um, it's not an excuse. It's just a fact. Uh, not always, but often. Uh, and the Darkling is no different. Um, Libra Brodigo does attempt to humanize him. Uh, We certainly see that Alina feels a sort of understanding about or like, and or pity for him. Um, But then Bardugo also writes him doing or saying things like this that just show you how he is the epitome of the abusive partner, which like just cringe because, uh, well, yes, separating their partner from friends and family is something that abusive people often do. And, and again, this is a book. So like the fact that in real life, they don't usually go around bragging about the fact that that's their goal. Uh, often I, I mean, I think in, in many times they might not even realize they're doing it or might not even be doing it on purpose, but they do. Um, and, and I just, I, so I, I, it's so unbelievable to me that somebody would read these books and, 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 and listen, I can, I can see it in the first book for sure. And even after he does what he does in the first book, it's like, okay, well, maybe there's some sort of weird fantasy thing. Like he's like sexy and stuff. I don't even know. But like at the end of it all, this is what he says to her. I will strip away all that you know, all that you love until you have no shelter but me. That is not healthy, folks. That is not good. Okay, yeah, like.
3: The absolute amount of people who in this fandom excuse the Darkling and proceed to love him are absurd to me. Like I understand people people will ship Darkling and Alina and like that pairing. And while I absolutely find it distasteful and pedophilic and disgusting, I understand that you could do that. But you can ship that ship and also know that the Darkling is a terrible person. My problem with the fandom is that so many people that ship this ship seem to just be like, yeah, no, he's great. He's just a misunderstood sad boy. And I'm like, no, he's not.
2: He's a misunderstood a frat girl. boy, is that how they? Bad boy. Bad, so yeah. Yeah. bad boy, bad boy, bad boy. No, I said
3: misunderstood sad boy. Oh, so sad, sad boy, sad boy. Sad sad boy. boy. We,
1: all, we all misheard you.
3: Yeah, no, no, he's a misunderstood <laughs> sad boy. Jonathan, it is. Frat, frat boy, I like too. Though. Frat, boy, he do like frat boy. <laughs> Yeah, no, but it is. That
1: would be worse.
3: Paul, oh, is, is the, the Darkling best- like a misunderstood sad boy, frat boy, or bad boy? <laughs> but no, um, zero out of ten, do not delve into the parts of the internet that like the Darkling, because, or rather, do not really delve more than knee deep into this fandom, because then you will inevitably find them. And it is genuinely alarming.
0: I- oh, there's absolutely <laughs> there's a couple groups I've joined on Facebook that I am like, there's people that are like, do you think in the show that Elena will end up with the Darkling?
3: And I'm like, Why? I saw that no. one
1: too, and I was so upset about it.
3: Yeah. No. Um. <laughs> okay, I think- Ooh, <laughs> Listen, so- man, I don't want to judge people
0: for like the things that they're into because I have I have friends, I have close friends who. Love Joffrey okay They think Joffrey is like the bee's knees But the thing is they also understand That he's bad and they know that They like him like they know That they like him because he's awful yeah. Like they like I have friends Who love Ramsey Bolton I have no idea how No idea how but they, they Love they, Ramsey Bolton Like and- they
2: didn't They didn't see bad. the actor abuse the girl he was with While waiting for the cab mm. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I forgot about that real life story. Oh, God. Ooh, <laughs> sorry, Ewan and Ruin is actually a huge dick in real life. Oh,
3: good, Damn. double reasons to hate that man. Let's go. But again, like, like, but like, the, yeah, like,
0: like, I have friends who enjoy these like bad boy. I, 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 to be honest, I think Joffrey and like Ramsey are all, like beyond bad boy, and the Darkling is too. Yeah,
2: it's
0: not. But like I I have friends who enjoy these bad boy characters, but they recognize they recognize that what they're enjoying is evil. Okay, you know, they're not like what bothers me about what bothers me about some of the things I've seen is that people actively believe that Alina was better off with the. Darkling, and it's like, listen, like I joke all the time. Like, I, I joke about, oh, why, why didn't she choose Nikolai? Clearly, he's the better choice. And also, yeah, clearly, he is the better choice. But like Nami said, she wanted Mal. And also, Mal is not a bad choice. Like, he's not a bad dude. He's boring, but he's not Mal bad. Is a better dude well, for- and also sometimes the boring dude is what you need. Like I've been through that phase not that long ago. Sometimes the boring dude is what you need for a little while. Just saying.
2: I, I mean, the Darkling is the horrible murderous dictator, but I see her face. But similar <laughs> to Magneto, which I hate to keep going to the well of other pop culture. Mm-mm. You know? Magneto is all wrong. I it's mean, like trying, he was trying to find a place where the Grisha would be safe, and they're not like, safe in other places. See, you know, the what?
3: reason though, that this falls apart for him is that he very specifically puts Grisha in harm's way when he does this.
0: Yeah, like, well, and also, I, I like, I love Magneto. Honestly, he's my favorite X Men. Like, my favorite. Um, I don't know but about, but I'm like I feel like Magneto as as as, as bad as Magneto can be at times, he's not preying on young. He does not prey on young women. He does not, as as far as I know. Like granted, I haven't read every single comic, but I'm fairly certain he never preys on young women. He like he has his stance, and it is at times it makes sense, and at times it's kind of beyond what it should be but like at the end of the day it's never like i, I it, he's not a good guy we all know he's not a good guy but he does have redeeming points and i think with the darkling there there are some things there that it's like i get it like like you said like he he wants to make a safe place for the grisha um because they're persecuted and honestly Jonathan I can't wait for you to read Six of Crows cuz you I think you're going to have so much more to say about all of that.
3: We're have a blast.
0: Yeah, um but at the same time like it's not just that he doesn't want them to be persecuted and he wants to give them a safe space it's that he wants to murder <laughs> everybody who is like in his way. I mean to the point I, I mean it, it it's like this um It's sort of this, like, it's not even, like, this, God, I don't know, he spreads the fold out and, like, destroys an entire town, you know?
3: I figured it out. out. The Darkling and his view for Grisha is what every single white male who doesn't understand feminism thinks feminism is about. The Darkling's vision for Grisha is that Grisha will rule and that Grisha will be the best and that he, a Grisha, will rule everybody. Whereas the Grisha, like, really what the Grisha wanted did not be persecuted. Like, like that's it. If he stopped there, that would be fine. Not persecuted, accepted, loved, equal rights, we would have been great. But he's like, no, Grisha on top, murder everybody else, we good. So this is, you know, it's literally what people, what people who don't think feminism is legit think feminism is. It's not. It's not women are better than men now. It's like, give us equal rights, damn it. Actually equal, and I think Magneto. From what I understand, also let's be let it be known. I am not X Men savvy at all. I have watched like most of the movies. My Magneto knowledge includes they usually get the hottest actors to play him. So, (laughs) um, but you know, from what I've seen of Magneto, and from what I've understood of Magneto, he will take extreme measures, and he believes in fighting very hard. But his stance is not like. You know, mutant supremacy. It's let us fucking live, damn it. And correct uh, I think I think at one point it does become mutant, it supremacy. mutant supremacy.
0: Yeah, but okay. but it's
3: it's not it's, Magneto. It's not murder it's, murder, it's murder,
0: murder. it's not like murder all normal people murder. for no reason. Mutant supremacy. Yeah, it's does. it's you,
2: it's mutant supremacy because one, if they're if they're not, his experience is if you're not supreme, you're. Exactly.
0: Yes, exactly. So so it's it's like he's tried he tried the equal rights thing and it didn't work for them. So like now it's moved on to the higher level. But again, like it's I I, I've never felt that and maybe I was miss I don't know, maybe I was wrong, but I never felt that Magneto was like, yeah, murder all like, like let's murder an entire city okay, you know, just to prove that we're supreme so that we can then, like, rule over the entire world. Like, I, I just never felt that that was his
3: shirt. It's a bigger no, issue but the he would. Oh, sorry, Nick.
1: Oh, that's okay. I was just going to say, but he would, like, if there were, was a group of uh, neo-Nazis, he'd be like, I have no problem murdering all of these people, which, you know, I'm not going to be mad at it, so... <laughs>
3: <laughs> Actually, I would like Loki be happy with that.
1: Slash high
3: <laughs> No, only Loki. Murder is still murder. We're we're not about murder here. You know, don't wanna don't wanna make any horcruxes. AKA the only uh like Harry Potter relevant thing I will give J.K. Rowling the solemn declaration that murder is bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, you work. For yeah. Yeah. Work. Like like.
0: Listen, Magneto At is not. Magneto is not a good guy, but he doesn't ever go to, like, the deepest depths, I think, that we see from Mm -hmm. the Darkling. Like, I don't –
3: I think the the only time he would
0: wipe out an entire, like, town is if it was literally just full of Nazis, and that's because, you know – He's of Jewish and, yeah.
3: he, and was he was, was in concentration you know, camp. Yeah. Allowed- yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I'm sorry, Magneto, please murder all Nazis, Neo. Otherwise, you know, re-murder them if you would like. You, you're allowed that. I in case it
1: wasn't them, clear, we are a staunchly anti-Nazi them. show. <laughs> No, if you I, are a Nazi. Get the fuck out.
3: Anti-Nazi, please fucking leave.
0: I feel like if somebody is reading this these books and is actually like has Nazi views, then they have like there's something wrong it's there. Very, like right.
1: it blows my mind though the 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 ways that they are able to like reshape that into their idea of what it it should be. You know, like yeah. there was somebody who dressed up as the Homelander.
3: No, uh, sure like a, a that supporting idiot. Trump. That
2: goddamn uh, idiot. Has, has has anyone watched Mythic Quest?
3: No, nope. Mm-hmm. On
2: Apple TV. Oh, I watched. Oh, no I watched. watched. it. Um it is so, so funny. And the one of the episodes. Involves Nazis, and it's just pricelessly funny. It's called so.
0: Mythic Quest?
2: Mythic Quest. So it okay. basically takes place at uh, the, the equivalent of Blizzard. It's a sitcom at, at of people who work essentially for Blizzard. Only okay. instead of World of Warcraft, it's Mythic Quest is the name of the video game. and it, It's really, really funny. Um, and I actually just signed up for a free trial of Uh, Ashaya is the one who recommended it to me, actually. Mm -hmm. Oh, Ashaya from
3: History of Westeros, okay.
2: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Check it out then. Yeah, but see, I think, oh, all right, here it is. Here here is the root of the problem. The problem with people who like Darklings is, as Tara said, you can like an evil character or a bad character as long as you realize they're still evil, but everybody who seems to like the Darkling in this fandom thinks that he's genuinely an okay person or thinks that he's genuinely a good partner for Alina and that's the disturbing yeah. part. And I, I I I mean noticed honestly a part of this pattern is a lot of middle-aged white ladies who really love the darkling and Alina and I'm like ma'am ma'am what
1: they wrote too much fifty shades of gray and then they read this book and they thought you know what would be great
0: the Darkling pressed his pelvis against her pelvis. Sex.
1: This is the new fanfiction series we're going to write and then uh, review our own work. No! And it's going to be an amazing new podcast. You guys should check it out.
3: Pelvis versus
0: pelvis.
3: I do not consent to this. VP. Oh,
0: my God. New no.
3: But yeah. No, um, oh, i no, that was a work of art. Nick. All right, I
1: think that's that's time to wrap it up. <laughs> yes, yeah. right.
0: yes. Oh God. Okay. So, any last thoughts on Ruin and Rising before we close it up? Like, like I'm I'm very excited, honestly. Like, I'll be real. I love rereading these books, and and when I first read anything from the Grishaverse, I started with these and then I went to Six of Crows. So like, I had this sort of connection to these books. And, and also I think the idea of, of being like, having gone through a past where I was in an abusive relationship really gave me that like extra like connection to these books. But I have already, I've already finished rereading Six of Crows (laughs) because I just was so excited to move on. Um, and, and I'm, I'm just really excited to get onto the next novels because not only do I, like we've talked about this before, hashtag we love growth in this house. Um, like Leigh Bardugo as an author grew so much between writing this trilogy and writing the Six of Crows duology, but also like uh, as much as I loved these books the first time I re- read them and as much as I, I still like enjoyed rereading them, they were quick reads, there is like I remembered the things I loved. I I I picked out more things I loved. It was also like I I think I also sassy picked out, you know, a lot of things I disliked about them that I maybe didn't even notice the first time around. Mm-hmm. Um so so I'm I I I'm very excited to move on to Lee's other works because I, I do really think that I I, I, I overestimated like how I felt about these books the first time I read them because a first time and B you know the connection to the abusive relationship situation um and again now reading like Six of cards is like oh I see other things about like who I am as a person in some of these characters so I just I I enjoyed rereading these books um, and honestly picking them apart. A little bit, not too much. Thank God. Let's not ever do chapter by chapter. But uh, (laughs) but yeah, I I I I really love this. But I'm really excited to move on to her future works that show just like like how much she's grown as 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 a writer, as a person, maybe in a way, yeah. As a world, builder, yes, because like as a that's world the thing. It's
3: all—it's all
0: in the same world, and honestly, as a character builder too, the characters in her later novels are so much better. And some of them you do end up seeing. Eventually, you do end up seeing, uh, and even getting povs from that—not in the Six of Crows duology, but uh in. King of Scars, you do end up getting POVs from characters that you meet in the Grisha Trilogy. So it's absolutely necessary to read these books. And again, I don't even want to say necessary because I do still love them, but um, yeah, I, I, I... yeah, there, there's yeah. so much more to look forward to, y'all. I'm so it excited. I will say Six
3: of Crows mm-hmm. does, as a duology, stand on its own. But if you do want to read King of Stars, you absolutely should read the Grisha trilogy first. And even mm-hmm. Six of Crows, I personally found myself, the way I actually read things was Six of Crows, verse, and then the second book in the Six of Crows duology, uh Crooked Kingdom. So, you know, I'm so excited because Six of Crows is literally my favorite thing. Six of Crows is a book that got me back into reading recently because you know, adult life happens and there is no time and all the time that you don't have to read, you sleep. Or it's a work you sleep and it's you know, I I miss reading a lot and like Six of Crows was what really pulled me back in and also like you know maybe some close friendships that I didn't realize could have been close friendships before and it was just a lot of really good things came out of that book and yeah. you know this podcast came out of that book in a way because it's the reason I got into the series and it's the reason that Tara reached out to me when she wanted to do this and I was like fuck yeah <laughs> and you know I got I love Six of Crows so much I love Leigh Bardugo so much I really enjoy the Grishaverse and this trilogy for the like basic fantasy girl saves the world story that it gives us while also giving us some new things in there while also exploring a new magic system while also you know setting it with a different cultural background while also you know having an abusive relationship and actually showing that it's bad and making a character that's like very unapologetically (laughs) bad and you know i liked all of those things it also involved like a love Pentagon or something, and I guess it's
0: a square at this point.
3: Yeah, a love, Is this square? In multiple no, a love, a love talon. It's just Alina in the middle and like three prongs, and they're like, Roar, I'm a bird foot.
1: <laughs> a bird foot.
3: <laughs> Your
1: mouth noises are so great,
3: <laughs> they really are.
1: i'm I'm so excited to talk about six of crows with you guys it's gonna be so great
0: all right jonathan any last thoughts
2: no i think i'm gonna say save my fire for the next book Um,
0: i i honestly i really think you're gonna you're gonna really love well i don't know like
2: I, I'm one it, chapter generally. in so far, so it's it's,
0: not... it's it's fantasy and heist. So, like, generally really not the weird. type of thing I would normally like get attached to. But again, Lee Bardugo really does well, a great job yeah. with the characters in this. So,
2: well, being one of my favorite books as a, I wouldn't say kid, but as a young adult, was um, science fiction and heist, which was the Stainless Steel Rat uh i'm looking now forward to it <laughs> all right oh yeah,
0: it's, know, very yeah <laughs> it's
3: very it's heisty It's heisty, and it's i don't think fantasy, that's a word but <laughs> and <it's> technology <laughs> and it's just it's everything good about a fantasy story and a heist story and then just smash together with one bad with one bad person in it and i just pretend he doesn't exist for my sanity you know, if you know, Jonathan, if you know anything about me, you will immediately know who the character I hate is. And you'll just be like, yeah. It. <laughs> well, now I'm curious. Tara, it's so fucking obvious. All right. Well, hey,
0: I don't want to spoil
1: anything. about.
0: <laughs> so, so we will be back. We will be back in two weeks. So that is Wednesday, December 2nd, I believe. December 2nd? Um, Wednesday, December 2nd, we will be talking about Six of Crows, but only through part three. So we're splitting the books again because these are actually much longer. So hopefully uh, we'll have people joining us and thank you guys again so much for talking about Ruin and Rising. This was a good, I think, conclusion to our discussion of the Grisha Trilogy. But yeah, really can't wait to get into the Six of Crows duology and everybody have a good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Sagas and Sass.